Hi and welcome. My name is Josh Stone and welcome to another episode of the Ignite podcast. The Ignite podcast is dedicated purely to the engineering and construction industry. Join me as I interview serious change makers, leaders and business owners who are creating significant shifts in the industry, leading inspired teams, running successful businesses and in general, making big things happen. As the old saying goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. This podcast is all about bringing like-minded change makers, leaders, and business owners in the engineering and construction industry together to share their stories, their strategies, their ideas, and their mindset on what's working for them right now in order to help you learn from the best to implement and to grow as well. Now, if you'd like some help growing yourself, your team, or your business even faster, head over to my website, www.coachignite.com for more resources or book in a call and we'll map out a plan together for you to move forward with confidence. In the meantime, hit the subscribe button so you get notified about future episodes. Sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Ignite podcast. Uh, Today I've been joined by Mick Donaghy. Mate, welcome to the call. Yeah, good stuff, Mick. Good stuff. Looking forward to... uh chatting forever and exploring a little bit more about what's going on in construction. It's pretty, uh, pretty crazy time right now. So uh, thanks for having me. Easy, mate. Um, and just by way of intro, mate, maybe let everyone know a bit about you um, and your journey to date and how you got to where you are. Yeah, um, so my background, um, I grew up on you know, construction sites. Uh, my old man's a, a plumber. Um, Sort of plumber, property developer, you know, it was always sort of buying, buying old sort of shitty houses back in Ireland and sort of doing them up and, and flipping them and stuff, you know. So we, I always sort of done all my summer holidays and, and you know, after schools and stuff and weekends working on um, different construction sites. Um, studied to be an architect and then decided it was right in the middle of GFC. Um, and to be a fully qualified architect in Ireland, it takes about nine years. Um, so from when you start studying to when you can actually formally sign off a project is about nine years of study. So, I mean, I think even doctors probably don't have to go through that amount of uh, rigorous testing. So for me, I sort of looking at it and went, you know, it's probably not for me. Um, and then I chased a dollar and ended up in, in recruitment. Um, so I've been in construction recruitment now for the last 10 years. Um, so recruited in Ireland, the UK, New Zealand, Australia, um, and set up the, my, my business, um, which is essentially still a startup, um, five months ago. So this year, um, focusing on predominantly the pre-construction area of, of, of recruitment um, and some project delivery stuff too. Yeah, good, mate. And what made you make the leap to doing your own thing? Um, well, that's the, the big question. I guess for, for me, it's I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, you know. Um, you know, I was even laughing at some stuff that came up on my Facebook, you know, from like 10 years ago. You know, stuff that I was doing, you know, buying stuff and selling it and putting a brand on it and stuff like that. And I've always, always been someone who wanted to to build a brand from scratch. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was the big factor. Um, and yeah, I've, I've, I'm a terrible number two is probably another thing as well. You know, um, I'm not good at 
taken like too much direction. Um, so yep. I've got too many ideas and yeah, I, I just wanted to, to run something myself, you know? Um, so yeah, it's been, been good, good, good start, but um, just got to keep, keep going. What are you enjoying the most about running your own biz? And what are you enjoying the least about running your own biz? Um, I think, well, I, I mean, I was still running my own business, but I was a partner in that business. So it was a 50-50 shareholder, you know, so that's, that, you know, that was back from 2019 to, to the end of last year. But that was a tough time, you know, that was right in the heart of COVID when we started that, you know, so it was, it was, that was very challenging. What am I enjoying most? I would say probably the, actually one thing that I've realized is that I really love is, I've, you know, I've hired a few people and I can see the impact that the business is having on them. Um, and so when you look at them and you go, well, they've got a family, you know, they've got people to look after and this little business that I'm, and they and we are building is having a positive impact on, on them, you know? So I, I've got quite a, a good fulfillment from that. Um, and then what am I enjoying least? is probably when I get an email from the ATO or someone like that, you know, <laughs> yeah, saying I have tax to pay. And that's probably, um, and I go, shit, what have I, um, what have I spent this month? And, you know, that's probably the, um, the, the painful part, but um, it's been, it's been fun. It's been, been good. Yeah. Good mate. And, and in terms of your, I want to say growth, like what, you know, your five-year plan, like where do you see you taking the business? Like what are your aspirations? What do you want to do? I mean, the lights just went off here. It's sustainability there. The sustainable <laughs> lights. Uh, well, I think, um, so when I started the business, I just started sprinting, you know, I mean, it was just getting some money through the door just to try and try and survive. I don't know, to be honest, I think COVID has made me think that five-year plans are like, you know, complete ancient relics, you know, because things are changing so fast that you've got to be able to adapt. And I think that's one Valid. of the good things about having like a small sort of startup business that you can like really, you know, that horrible word, you can pivot fairly quickly, you know. Um, but for me, there, there's there's huge growth in, in, in recruitment. Um and I would like to do something that's not what, you know, the term you know, agency recruitment is, um, it gets a fairly bad name. So I would like to specialize, be very hyper niche in what we do, get a really strong reputation, replicate that across multiple geographical locations and do good work for our clients and do good work for, the, for our candidates. And I mean, apart from that, right now, that's all I'm thinking about. You know, yep. not, not, too, not too far ahead right now. <clears throat> yep. And so there's a couple of things in that that I wouldn't mind exploring with you. Um, probably to go to sort of the first question is around, um, like you talked about, obviously, the, like the recruitment industry having a bit of a, potentially a bit of a bad rap and a bit of a bad name and you want to do things differently. Like what does that, what does that sort of actually look like for you? Like what sort of thoughts have you had? What sort of things are you doing with clients at the moment that, you know, are setting you apart? Yeah. So, I mean, every industry gets a bad name in some respect. True. Recruitment gets a bad name, but think of how many dodgy builders out there there are, you know, like the vast majority of like companies you'll, 
you know, I have, I have 120 contacts or companies on my, what I call a list, you know, and within that list, and you could click on every single one of them. And some of these would be the biggest construction companies in Australia. And you look at their Google reviews and they'll be terrible. You know, yep. they'll be, they'll, they'll have pissed off subcontractors. They'll have, you know, built a project six months late or something like that, you know, so can't keep everybody happy. Um, for me, the painful thing about recruitment is, you know, you get your Hayes and your Randstads and all these companies. And they, in my opinion, try to be all things to all people. And I just don't mm -hmm. think that in, in today's society that you can. I think that you've got to specialize yep. and you've got to know your market inside out. Um, you know, I had a conversation with someone last week and he'd been in the industry 35 years and it was my my conversation with him was the second time he's ever spoken to a recruiter and he was blown away by just the, the in-depth knowledge and, and you know the the people that i knew within the industry and the different entrenched networks that that i have and, and we have as a business and so for me i don't feel like you can do the, this job properly and be you know long-term sustainable within it and, and, and sustainably successful within it on unless you're you know highly expert expertised or expertise or whatever you want to say um, yep. and you'll see that even with contractors and, and different consultancies throughout australia you know there's some companies will just do you know defense and social infrastructure some companies will maybe focus on tmr projects you know because you, you can't do everything mm -hmm. and if you do do everything you kind of do nothing at the same time you know um so i'd rather be you know that 80 to 90 percent you know successful delivery than a 20 to 30 percent yeah and so that hyper niche for you is a like pre-contracts phase um with construction companies yeah so basically our how we've really worked it is you know when i started recruiting in you know, 10 years ago, I've always sort of, you know, moved and, and, and focused on those areas that people tend to not move that much, mm -hmm. you know, so you'll have site managers and site supervisors and some project managers, and they'll be employed for the project. We're typically pre-construction, you know, whether that's your, your architects, your consultants, your design managers, your estimators, they're a little bit more involved in the company as opposed to just a specific project. So they're maybe focused on wooden work or um, you know, creating efficiencies for design or whatever it might be. But um, yeah, I, I also find that in a, in a maybe in a sort of stereotypical and, and, and blanket look at it, you know, pre-con wise, that people don't tend to move as much okay. as you would supervisors site managers project managers and for me you know that's important because if we're yep. putting people in the businesses we want them to stay you know yes um, so i'm curious about that because i mean i talk to my coaching clients all the time about being hyper niche and you know particularly consultancies in the engineering industry tend to be jack of all trades and do all things to all people uh, also be all things to all people um and i'm curious for you like did you so and I often talk to my coaching clients again about well pick an area that you get really good results in pick an area that you love the clients pick an area that you can charge a premium for your fees and 
you know, with that kind of sort of matrix, really dive into then, okay, well, in the center of all of that is sort of one particular area that I love, has, has good clients, I enjoy doing the work, and I get paid really well. Was yeah. the process sort of similar for you or is that more you saw an opportunity to be um, different in that sort of space or that field and you didn't see anyone else playing in there? Well, in terms of recruitment, I take a very sort of first principles approach to it. And, you know, I'll, I'll take it all back to, to, you know, back to zero and look at things from a, a bit of a bird's eye approach and go, well, where's the, where's the demand? Mm-hmm. Where's the skill shortage? Where can I offer value? Um, where, where can I charge a premium? You know, where, if I put a candidate into that particular job, are they going to stay? Is that going to affect my reputation? You know, is it going to enhance my reputation? All of those things were, were really um, sort of evidence from, you know, when I started this particular business. Um, I, I wanted, because you... <laughs> In this market, everyone is looking for someone. So how, mm-hmm. if you're a recruiter, how, how do you deliver? Like, I, I feel sorry for these people who are like two, three years experience and they've just been hired by, you know, a company that's maybe just doing a little bit of everything because they'll never really excel. You know, mm. they might do okay, but they'll never really excel. And, then, and what mostly happens is, They'll excel for a while and then it'll all turn to the to, to shit. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're leaving the industry or they've got burnout or they're moving into IT and, in, you know, tr- in technology or something like that because they never really get a real proper foothold of the market because they're not specialist enough. Um, and I think as well, like co- with, with COVID, people just want things quickly now. Yeah. You know, like people, like you look at like, you order stuff online. People don't want to wait a week. People don't want to wait two weeks. They want it like the next day. And, you know, when someone's coming to us, you know, they, they know that they come to us. They're getting a level of service that they're maybe not like, like to get elsewhere. The other company might get them someone, you know, that, that can definitely happen. Mm-hmm. But 80 to 90% of the searches that we worked on, we, we fill within 45 days. And these aren't, you know, just, silly researches you know these are quite highly defined um, positions where they're very technical you know both from a communication perspective but also from a, a technical perspective and um, you know like what software they're using what type of projects and, and and what their capability is um so yeah i, I mean for for me it's all about you've got to specialize and i look at it and go well if I'm charging a premium for it, it makes it, I just get more fulfillment from it too. You know, yeah. like I like to do the work then instead of getting a load of jobs in that I can't really be bothered to work on, you know? Yeah, mate. And it's so important. Again, I, you know, if I talk about some of the trainings I run with my clients around increasing your fees, let's not do the whole race to the bottom thing. Let's not undercut everyone just to win a project because you, you do that and you end up, completely resenting the client, resenting the project, resenting the work you're having to do because you're not making any money or you're losing money or you're, you know, you've got management or shareholders or your wife or your partner on your back because you're not making any money. You just end up hating the work that you're doing. So um, have you, 
Actually, I thought I think I saw a LinkedIn post from you on this around you know your fees are higher than others, and how do you sort of navigate that conversation with with clients? Um, for me, it's all again, it's about expertise. If you want me to find to someone, and you know, like that that particular example, that company was looking for someone for nine months. Yep. Uh, you know, the conversation was, well, why have you been looking for someone for nine months? It's like, well, we've had three or four other agencies looking at it. And the reality of it is because the other agencies probably weren't incentivized either. You know, there wasn't, it just wasn't enough for them to go, well, it's difficult to find position and not get paid that well for it. The reality, you know, it, it, it's, it's something that they're just not overly incentivized to actually work on. And then when I had the conversation, I was 50% higher than everybody else, but I would work on it, you know, and, and, and my, my fill rate is the day I start working on it to the day that the person's actually starting to work is 45 days. So if you look at someone's got 30 days notice period, typically four weeks, you know, I'll, I usually have a short list completed and offers out accepted within two weeks. And it always doesn't always work like that, but that's just as an average, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I mean by I know my, you know, my I know my information, I know my data. Yeah. Um, you, you you need to know this information in order to betray that to clients. Um, because if you're just sort of going to say, "Yeah, I'll do this for you," you know, "Good job, mate." We'll get someone. You know, what 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 sense is that going to create uh, in your client's head? You know. Um, so I, I and, and just in, 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 as that as an example is, um, they came back and said no, you're too high. And then I went okay, well I'm not working on it. And then they came back and gone, yeah okay, and then okay, we'll do it, do it for us. So um, <clears throat> and otherwise, you know, across the board, there's some companies would be on a certain percentage, and other companies would be on a other percentage. I just keep everyone on the same percentage, um, but because for me. If a really strong candidate comes on the market and I've got two companies on a lower rate and another company on a higher rate, I mean, of course, I'm going to the companies on a higher rate. Yep. You know? So if you're, if you're that company, is it really worth it for 3 4%? You, sh- you know, you probably should come up a little. Yeah. Um, and it, it sounds to me, mate, that you're super clear on on the value piece, because when we are going into those discussions around fees and being higher, increasing your percentage, um, charging more than competitors in the marketplace, you have to, you have to shift the conversation to the value that you're bringing. Because if you just, like you said, yeah, I'm 50% higher, um, take it or leave it. It's like, well, you haven't given me any reason why I should go with you, so I'm probably going to leave it. Whereas if you yeah. can dial into the value that you bring hyper niche, heaps of experience, here's my track record, um, that kind of thing. You can really build a compelling case. Um, and again, I'm obviously talking about trainings I run with my clients too. You've got to talk about the value. You've got to really yeah. um, understand the value you can bring, understand your client's world, their pain points, what problems they need help solving, and talk about all of that um, yeah. more, than you're, more than you're talking about, you know, how much you charge, right? Yeah, it's, it's that cost of value ratio. What's this, what's this acquisition going to cost me? And how much value is that product going to bring into the business? Yep. You know, so especially in what we do, you know, we're bringing in people who largely are winning work for, for, for companies. Yep. Um, so if they, they, you know, if they're working for your business for three months and they win you uh, 
million dollar project at 10% or even 5%, you know, that's covering their home salary, you know, or well, certainly um, a good portion of it anyway, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you, you've got to look at things from a, a mature perspective. My, my feeling is don't be afraid to walk away from work. Don't get involved in bad work. Um, if you're working on lower fees, then you've got to have good relationships in place um, or, or volume, you know. Um, so if you're, you've got some clients that are coming in and saying, you know, we've got a lot of this work, you're going to have exclusively. It's at this rate, which is a little bit lower than what you would typically pay. And you go, well, fair enough, because that prob- that's probably allowing me to, you know, bring in one or two extra people this year or something like that, you know. Um, so there has to be a reason for actually reducing um, your fee. And another thing that I, I was, I worked with a coach during COVID and he was, he was really good. I would say he's probably the best coach I've ever had. Okay. Um, and he, he said to me, if you're reducing your fees, you make sure you get something off them, you know? So I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, if you're reducing your fee, you, you need to at least get something like a public testimonial, you know? So um, he was, you know, if you're going to reduce your fee by 2% or 3% and you deliver and you do that job at a, you know, exemplary level, then they're under condition that they're going to go out to the market and give you a public testimonial, which is going to then bring in more work for you, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. So never, never do, never do something for free, basically. Yep. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, Matt, I want to shift the convo to um, to cadence of work and to and because something you said at the start, which is you know when you started your business, you basically just head down, bum up. I've got to do things that generate income, and so you know reminded me of when I went from civil engineer working in a consultancy to moving into my business full time, um, going from a day a week to five days a week. And I was just like, I'm going to hit this hard. You know, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm energized. Um, I'm just going to, you know, shoot the lights out kind of thing. And I was getting up at 4am and I was doing all the, you know, and so I completely burnt myself out in the first kind of two to four weeks because of this um, desire just to, just to crush stuff and to, to really um, go as hard as possible. And, it's a very similar theme in the marketplace at the moment where everyone's so busy, burnout's really real, overwhelm's real. How do you manage your cadence throughout the day? Like, you know, do you structure your days in a certain way to get the best out of your energy? Um, you know, what works for you? Um, I mean, everything's different. So obviously, you, you know, I assume a large part of your audience is going to be different people within the construction industry so they're going to have different things that from um that they'll need to do on a, on a, on a daily tasks and stuff like that for me I, I i work better in sprints so you know i'll work from say seven o'clock to nine o'clock and you know i'll just be like the tasmanian devil just getting stuff out, you yep. know and then i'll probably be, be useless for the next 15 20 30 minutes probably take myself off, go for a walk, go for a grab of coffee, come back in. And, you know, you've got, you've got to do the stuff that, that you actually enjoy as well. So I've started running recently. Um, yep. So that. Like a, yeah. Run every day challenge. And so I was like, right, if I'm going to run every day, 
there's some days I'm going to not be bothered running. Like I obviously, you know, so some days I would do 7k and then the next day I'm like, I can, I really can't be bothered to run. So I would like, I have a cheat code, right? So the cheat code is jump in my car and like drive to the top of a hill, right? Yep. And then start, start running down the hill because that's easy. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And then you get on the flats and then all of a sudden you're warmed up, you're a little bit more energized and you start, you know, your things, things are good, you know? So then you're, you're, you're into it. Think of your, your cheat code, you know, like if you're not feeling good, you're not, on, you know, switched on, what is like, what are the tasks that you, you love to do? You know, I don't know what it might be. People get the weird kicks out of things. They might love pissing off a subcontractor or negotiating <laughs> to someone or get some really weird twisted people out there. But whatever you, wherever you get your kicks from and it's productive, focus on that. Um, but I think, you know, in terms of like a, a, on a big picture level, there's um, yeah massive burnout and you can see like companies are really struggling right now, mm. you know? Like it's it's probably the worst time to be in construction because it, it's just a race to the bottom. You know, it's it's a nightmare for bringing in new staff. How do you onboard staff correctly right now? You know, the, the, everyone's probably half assing it to a certain level. You'll get companies who go, "We're all about the people," and then all of a sudden, day one, you get the, they get the person in, they're chucked into a job, they've had no onboarding. You know, they get an email address and they're like, here, take all this shit and sort it out for me, you know? And that's like, that's what people are doing. And all of a sudden they're leaving. And then it's honestly, it's a really tough time to be in construction. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are going to go through burnout, but you've got to take your days off. You've got to, you've got to do stuff that are actually going to invigorate you. Leave, leave work, you know, ideally on time, you know, um, be productive, be that that person who's 90 to 100 percent productive during work hours and to an extent try and walk away from it in in, in the evenings if you can mm-hmm. uh, but i spoke to someone last week and they had done over 200 and i think it was about 270 280 hours in a month holy so i worked that out i was like that's like what 70 hours a week so even if you're working seven days a week, that's still 10 hours a day. Yep. So, I mean, that's where, not sustainable. Where's, where's the, where's the life? Where's, what are you, what are you working for? You know? Um, but yeah. And I also think of goals, right? So like, what are your, what are the goals? So like, I'm, you know, people have these outrageous goals of like, I want to sell my business in two years time or whatever, or three years time. But then what do you do once you've sold your business? You know, you're probably going to want to set up your another business again, you know? So why don't you not think of it as like a 10 year, 20 year thing instead of, you know, if you think of like the richest people in the world have owned their business for a very, very long time, mm-hmm. you know? So think of it long-term instead of thinking of yep. it just hour by hour, day by day. Yep. Yep. Marathon, not a sprint, hundred percent. And, and to your point, like, I think, um, yeah, people can fall into the trap of just feeling obliged and feeling like they have to work long hours. And, you know, the workloads are always going to be there, right? And the, and the client requests are always going to be there. But, you know, I always try and orientate everything I do to sort of two things, which is joy and fulfillment. Like, you know, there's, I started my own business so that I could move to the beach and spend more time in the water and see my kids more and do the, do the pickups and all that sort of stuff. You know, I mean, that's me and I chose that sort of um, business owner. 
journey. But if you know you're an employee of a of a company, why are you doing what you're doing? Do you love what you're doing? Do you genuinely enjoy what you do every day? Do you you know get out of bed with a a skip in your step? Um, or is it more about, you know, your family? I'm doing this so that I can provide for my family and create an amazing life and all that sorts of things. It's it's really important to get connected to why it is that you're doing what you're doing um, because, you know, 280 hours or whatever you just said um, a month, that's not sustainable unless you love what you're doing and it energizes and you brings you lots of f- fulfillment. Even then, probably, <laughs> probably wouldn't encourage it, but it really comes yeah. back to, um, you know, why you're doing what you're doing, right? Yeah. And like, it, it's easy to get stuck in these big companies as well. You know, like you can, you, can go and do, you can join a company and you can, you know, think this is going to be the best thing ever and realize that, you know, you, for the last 10 years, you've never got out of bed with skipping your step, mm. you know? Um, so it's hard, you know, when you're entrenched into these um, companies and businesses, it's hard to see the light. Like it must be, it must have been hard for you to go from being a, civil engineer uh, owning your own coaching business you know like that takes balls to do that you know um because yep. there's no, and the reason that there's everybody's not doing this what you're doing is because like it's not an easy thing to do you know um especially in construction where everyone be like why would you want to do that <laughs> you know everyone's pointing fingers yep yeah exactly mate yeah no you're right it's not an easy thing at all but it comes back to again why you do it i mean for me i love it and you know my my journey was director and shareholder of a uh, medium-sized civil engineering consultancy um through that period uh didn't know what i was doing sought the services of a of a business coach to sort of help me through that nine-year period um i came through that 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 phase of my life and sort of was just like there was that was amazing. I learned heaps, but there's actually no like real coaching for people in that position specifically in our industry. So yeah, yeah the, the, the idea was born and then I did the part-time thing whilst building the business and then jumped in full-time. But yeah, like the, the, the internal stuff you have to navigate, right. When you make that leaps pretty crazy and you're know, going from a um, PAYG regular paycheck every fortnight or every month to Holy shit! Like I'm in charge of this ship, and I've got to actually—it's—it's it's, all—it's all on me. Um, yeah. And and that can cripple some people, or that can inspire and excite some people. So, again, for me, it comes back to why am I doing this, um, and that fuels me every day. Yeah. No, hundred You've got to have that. Yeah. Um, mate, question for you. Oh, your lights went out again. Um, so I'm really big on like I'm really curious about how people. Like what makes people successful and how do they, what is it about how they view themselves and how they view the world that allows them to sort of turn up every day and make the most of every opportunity and to continue to push forward even when shit's hard and, and you're feeling a bit stuck and unmotivated? Like it's almost like so what are the stories we tell ourselves and how do I view myself? Um, what sort of beliefs do I have um, and how do I view others? That allows me to go out every day and be the best version of myself. Um, may not be something you've ever you've ever thought about, but sort of what what is it about you that has allowed you to do what you do and 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 be successful today? I mean, I'm I'm hyper competitive. Yeah, like, love it. I'm really competitive person. Like, like probably unhealthily competitive. <laughs> you know, like. Uh, 
as I said, I've been running and I am racing everybody who I see when I'm running, you know, and it's pathetic. It's totally pathetic, but that's just who I am. Yep. And I've, been, I've always been that way. You know, if you put me on, on the football pitch or something like that, I'll be screaming at everybody else, you know, what are you not doing this? Like, I'm just that person. I, I can't stand losing. And for me, it's like the, the thought of success is like, it's not like I'm driven by success, but I'm driven by, I do not want to lose. Like, you know, in, in recruitment is hyper competitive, probably similar to construction. You, you might, might get down to last two on a tender or something like that, and you're like, right, we're desperate to win this job. You know, similarly, you, there might be two people working on the one assignment or two companies working on the one assignment in recruitment. And for me, I just, like, cannot lose. I just can't lose because I just can't face it if I lose, you know. Yep. And I've always, always, always been that way. Um, like I got rejected by Hayes when I was like 20, 21. And for the rest of my life, I've just been like, I, I want to destroy Hayes. It's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. It's just who I am, you know? And I, I mean, it's pretty pathetic because I probably never will, but um, I'm, I'm driven by not losing um, probably more than, than driven by, than driven by like, like a financial number or, a number of people in the business, you know, like for me, that, that that's that's not really what gets me going. I'm, I'm driven by competing with someone and winning. And I always find, think that I'll find a way to win, no matter what. Like I'll find some sort of competitive edge to make sure that I win. Um, and yeah, it's probably a little, probably not the right sort of answer, but that's just who I am. <clears throat> no, but it points to a certain set of beliefs, a certain psychology, which is, yeah, you're driven, you're driven to, to win. And if that's what fuels you, that's what helps you get out of bed every day or driven to not lose. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, if that's what fuels you and gets you out of bed every day, hundred percent, like it's about really going inward and working out who we are, what drives us, what motivates us, and then really doubling down on, on that to, to ensure that, you know, every day we turn up, being the best version yeah. of ourselves. So, like for me though, the, probably the part that I need the coaching on is that when I'm at the top, when I'm like, when I'm, I don't have like that same level of drive. So, for example, like if I become the top builder in the company, once I've done that, I'm like, oh well, I've completed this. This is this is this is easy now. Like, and then you know what I mean. So, but I'm 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 probably the most at my best when I'm the coattails of someone else. You know, like. Yep. You know, when I see that there's someone in front of me that gives me that benchmark and I'll find a way to win, you know, it's like that Formula One thing. Like, it's like that tiny, tiny margins. Um, and that's probably where I'm at my best. But, yeah, it's 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 important, I think, to have something as well in business to go, I'm trying to be like that or I want to beat that, you know. And I have multiple, like, and I look at them as not as like a competitor, but like an inspiration at the same yeah. time as well. I'm inspired to be better than them. You know, that's, that's kind of what, where, what I focus on. Yeah, good, mate. Um, change things up a little bit. Where do you see, so obviously the market's insane. Where do you see the market heading in, like based on obviously you're having conversations with quite high up people with, within the industry, where do you see the market going in the next sort of 24 months? I mean, it's, it's kind of like how long to piece of string. Um, mm. It depends who you are, you know, like it depends, like you, you, you could ask four different people and four different job titles on, on what their, um, 
you know, vision on the market is going to be in the next, you know, four years. You know, you ask the CEO, the CEO will be super uh, um, optimistic and positive. You know, you ask the estimator and he'll be super negative. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it depends on who you ask. For me, I reckon it probably lies somewhere in the middle. I think there's a good hook for, for the Brisbane market right now. You know, there's you've got the 2032 games, you've got totally. investment in infrastructure, you've got on a you know Australian level affordable-ish housing, even though it's getting you know more expensive. You've got the good weather. So there's a little, there's a big hook for, for, for Queensland right now. Where I don't know if you're even saying Melbourne, if you're in Sydney, although it's extremely busy, I just don't know if it has the same level of hook, you know. Yep. Um, so I say it's probably, it's, it's, you know, I, I can see Brisbane continuing to, to get busy and continuing to grow. I just don't know whether this level of growth is, is, is going to continue, you know. So we're seeing like unprecedented demand. But that's it's like fake news. It's like fake demand. Yeah. You know, it's it. There's there's the reality of it is probably thirty percent of what is actually projected is probably the real value of it. Uh, more I get that number, I just made it up in my head. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're right. But I always look at seek. I always look at seek as an example, right? So look at seeking. Look how many job ads there are. Like there's an incredible amount of construction jobs. And I go, well, there's probably 50% of those, maybe even 60 or 70% of those are probably from recruitment companies. And I always believe that it's probably 50% of those recruitment companies are actually recruiting for those jobs. They're actually live, yep. you know? So there, there, there's an element of um, growth is, is, is a little bit, um, isn't real. That growth isn't 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 an actual level, you know. Like I have a client last week told me they need ten people, but if I got them ten perfect people right now, I don't think they're going to hire ten. You know, I'd say no. they're probably looking around three to four. You know, right. Uh, so yeah, there's a there's a there's a what they think is real and what is actually real. There's probably a big difference there. Well, it's also where are the people coming from, right? Like, you know, they talk about this skill shortage, which, which I'm sure is real and trying to find right people. But, you know, to your point before about whether, whether particularly the Southeast Queensland market can, can continue to grow at the rate, like it's probably going to be hamstrung by a number of things, but, all, but people and, and materials, right? So yeah. it's, it's, it can only grow to a certain point. Yeah, I think a good, a good thing that I'm seeing right now is that People who have maybe emigrated to Australia and, you know, are from the Middle East or something like that, they're actually beginning to get jobs, you know, whereas, you know, they've, they've been sitting there for two, three years without work, you know, yeah. and I'm seeing, you, you know, the skill shortage is real when they're actually going, let's interview this guy because he could be good or good, you know, Um and that's why I go, that's why, you know, the skill shortage is, is pretty severe because the vast majority of Australian businesses want Australian experience, you know. Um, so, like, I have a guy in interview in a couple of hours and he's currently in Dubai right now, you know. Um, I had a guy last week, he had an interview in New Delhi. Right. <laughs> <laughs> For a business that had an office in New Delhi, you know, and they're like, we'll get him over here and sponsor him. So, there's things that Australian 
Australian economy's doing, or the Australian government and stuff is doing well, and each um, state government is doing well. Like if if you compare that to like what's happening in in New Zealand and stuff, like they're still six months behind what what Australia are doing with regards to letting people into the, the country. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I just can't see the same level of growth continuing, but I reckon we've got a good couple of years, hopefully, in front of us. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of, um, you know, they talk about it being an employee market at the moment. Um, you know, what are you, so you're obviously talking to heaps of candidates. What are they looking for in companies? Like when they make the decision between the top two or the top three, like what are sort of the, the main things that they're looking for when they when they accept the position? Right now, it's big things, flexibility. So that whole, the whole COVID thing is, is really um, like imprinted that in people's minds that they can do a lot of their job from home successfully. And now they're going out to the market saying, well, I want a piece of that. I might not be wanting full time working from home, but I want a piece of that, you know. Um, and there are still so many companies that are, very traditional and like they probably just haven't moved on with the times that you do need to have some level of flexibility there especially if it is a job that doesn't need the same amount of collaboration or you're maybe not based on site or something like that um but flexibility is massive um also like companies are are candidate wise are are looking for the good candidates aren't, aren't looking at money the good candidates are looking at you know, project you know, pipeline, um, retention. Um, you know, the, the top level candidates are looking for that, you know. Um, the, medi- the medium level candidates are looking for money right now because they know they've got uh, maybe 12, 18, 24 months pipeline or, you know, where, where they can actually make a lot of money, you know. Um, and then, yeah, others are, are just looking for like a bit of a... I would say, you know, something different, you know, like t- taking and um, capitalizing on the market and looking for that growth opportunity. So you might get someone who's in a, a senior role is now looking at options at like, you know, middle management, senior management, um, executive, you know, people are really looking to take this opportunity and, and get into those bigger positions, you know, and, um, but there are a lot of candidates in this market that are driven by, by money and yep. that will come back to bite them because they're going to become a, uh, an operational cost that's too expensive and they unfortunately will, will probably get, get let go when there is a slight hiccup or a bump in, 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 in work coming on and they go, well, this guy is a 140K candidate and we're paying him 170 You know, he can go to somewhere else. And that's, yep. that's construction. We've seen it with COVID. People get laid off and that's what will happen. Yep, yep. So it sounds like really it's flexibility, but also flexibility, autonomy, but, but exciting projects, right? Because there are a lot of projects on and potentially some of these candidates have come from doing the same pipeline, same road yep. for the last 10, 15 years. So if, it's, if they can jag a... a forward pipeline of really exciting projects um it sounds like that will be what drives them to make the, de- the decision to go with that particular company yeah i think if you're like if you're if you're a really serious person about your career and you're very career driven you're you're, you're you know the money will come yeah that that you know that will come so i wouldn't focus on money 
I'd be I'd be focusing on your your career as a whole, like delivering the most exciting projects, delivering you know difficult projects, you know, getting a rep, really good reputation for yourself. These are the things that I'd be focusing on. Um, you know, becoming a real master of 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 being able to keep everyone on side. Don't have to keep everybody happy, but keep everybody, you know, on your side. You know, these are the things that I think that you should get really good at in these types of markets because that's what that's what will allow you to grow and go from project manager to senior PM or project director or something like that, you know. Um, and you've got to think of it as a long-term, yeah, of course you can make more money, but the more projects you're delivering successfully, the more money you're going to get as a, as a consequence. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, mate, final question for you. Um, I haven't prepared you for this. Uh, say you, so obviously you are the sum total of all of your experiences, um, wins, learnings, failures, if you want to look at them like that. And you get the opportunity to sit down with a 10-year younger version of yourself um, and impart some advice. Like what would you, with all the stuff that you know now to be true and all the, you know, the stuff that you got under your belt, what sort of advice or wisdom would you um, impart on a 10-year younger version of yourself? That's a good question. Because I don't know. It's a hard one because you go, well, if I, if, I, if I give him all the wisdom, then he, he might not get to the, this point. Do you know what I mean? Um, yep. So I think you've got, I mean, there's, there's, I remember thinking back now, and like there's times that I would be, I would go into the office and you know, recruitment's different. You know, like I don't know exactly who the audience will be, but you're commission driven, right? So you're driven by the deal, right? And you know, that's that that's the bad thing about recruitment is you're just thinking about the deal. That's it, right? But I mean, within ten years, you know, you, you, you mean it's not just about the deal anymore. Mm. But when you're that, when you're that, when you're at that part, and you're going. There's been there was times I remember where I'd had a run, I'd be placing someone every week. And then you'd maybe take your foot off the gas and you'd, you'd maybe not play someone for two, three, four weeks. And then you begin to question yourself, like, am I doing this right? Am, am I, can I still do this anymore? What's wrong with me? You know, um, I remember there was times where I would go into the office and I wouldn't speak to anyone. <laughs> I mean, no one, purely because I was so appalled with myself that I hadn't got another one. That's the whole thing about that competitiveness. Like I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm competitive with myself in May than I was with myself in April. Do you know what I mean? So like in April, I may have done such and such a figure, but if I don't do that in May, like that's crap, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'd probably say probably just let, let, you know, don't take it so seriously all the time. Yeah. You know, don't be so driven to the point where, it doesn't become such a it doesn't become a good thing, you know. Um and 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 but if you're driven, be driven in the right way, you know, like be, be sensible about it, sensible about it. But I would also just say go have a lot of fun and make a lot of mistakes and go for the crack. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Ireland, you know what I mean? Um yeah, so probably that's something along those lines. <clears throat> yeah, mate, it sounds good to me. Um Mick, thank you for your time tonight. Uh today, mate, had a lot of fun. Um where can people follow along you on your journey? LinkedIn the best place or 
Yeah, yeah. Get, get me on LinkedIn, Mc, McDonaghy on, on LinkedIn. Um, I usually I'm writing something there every day or, or every other day. Um, and you can find us at, at geddon.com.au. Um, so that's G-E-D-O-N. Um, yeah, and happy anyone out there that needs some advice, you know, feel free to reach out. It's a tricky time in this market, you know, and you don't often get the chance to uh, actually reflect. So just remember just to take it easy and take a step back every now and again and ask some questions and do your due diligence. Mate, 100%. Thanks for your time today, dude. Had a lot of fun. Awesome. Okay, mate, thank you very much. Good luck. Easy. Hi there. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. Don't forget, if you'd like some help growing yourself, your team, or your business even faster, head over to my website, www.coachignite.com for more resources. Or book in a call and we'll map out a plan together for you to move forward with confidence. Don't forget also to hit the subscribe button so you get notified about future episodes. Take care, my friends, and see you again soon.